Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bumping my heart is thumping. I'm ready to go wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks who speak. This is it. This is the week to do it. If you're in the United States, are you a voter? Are you going to be a voter? Have you made a plan Tuesday? I hope you've listened to this or are listening to this. Maybe you're waiting in line at the polls right now. We're with you. It's the best thing you can do. Vote November 6th. Be a voter. DLC is going to be with you. DLC, of course, your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Hymns, and Squarespace. Squarespace! DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. Guy who's definitely going to be a voter this this Tuesday, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. I actually voted by mail early. Um, nice. If, if you are in line... Uh, at the polls, stay in line. Stay in line. Yes. Stay in line. Get your get your vote in. They can't ask you to leave. Uh, do it. Do it up. Hey, Christian, I, we got so many people uh, that sent in emails. I said, hey, if you're going to be a first time voter, if you're making a plan to vote, uh, send me an email. I got uh, emails from all kinds of people. Zachary, Norman. I'm just looking kind of looking in here. We got so many emails this week from people who are going to be voting. Uh, Mario voting for the first time this year. Um, we we love it. Thank you guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for participating. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we have a massive show this week. So uh, uh, I I, can't, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things to talk about. BlizzCon was this week. There's massive news, games to talk about. Of course, I've been playing tons. We've all been playing tons. And even better than that, we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for Divinely Lucid Consciousness. Because we have the VP of Publishing from Zen Studios, the makers of Zen Pinball and the publisher of many other games. Mel Kirk is back with us. Hey, Mel. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? I am excellent. It's uh, it's beginning to be the most wonderful time of the year, and we plunged ourselves into darkness at an earlier hour, which to me means we're playing more video games, and I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it is daylight savings week among other things. 
uh, and you're right, man. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready. It's, it's the holiday season and you, know, you guys are, have tons of stuff going on. Tell me about what, uh, what Zen studios is doing right now. You guys are publishing new third party games. What's going on with you? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a year. I think I was here with you guys almost this time exactly last year. Uh, yeah. Since then, we've been uh, always making pinball, which is kind of our, you know, our, our mainstay and what everybody knows about us. We've started publishing other titles, uh, taking games from PC, from other indie, indie studios, and we've been porting them and publishing them to consoles, uh, which has been a really fun endeavor. And uh, that's really cool. And we're getting ready to make other announcements about non-pinball related projects. And uh, one in particular will be made sometime in early December. And I don't know. We're just we're just cranking it out over here. We're having a lot of fun. Our teams are are growing together. They're getting bigger. We have four independent teams now under Zen developing original content. So it's not just the pinball story. And I'm really getting really excited to share all that stuff with the world uh, when it's ready. Very cool. Well, we're glad to have you back. It's always fun to chat with you. And let's uh, let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, tons of big stories this week. So this Mel, week? as our guest, <laughs> yeah, uh, Mel, as our guest, you get first pick. Very curious. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh man, I know what it was earlier in the week, and then BlizzCon <laughs> happened, and I have to say, we we got to talk about this uh, Diablo thing. Uh, probably that is yeah. the biggest story going on right now. Boy, it sure is. Uh, I spent a delightful afternoon on Twitter. Uh, talking about it if talking is the right verb probably not um so to catch people up in case you haven't been aware blizzcon happened blizzcon of course blizzard's big annual event where they celebrate the fans celebrate the games but also announce new things for the upcoming year uh we had talked on this show several weeks ago about the fact that blizzard had attempted to tamp down the expectation because they had released a video saying there was going to be a Diablo announcement at BlizzCon. And everybody, of course, leapt to Diablo 4 because it's about time for a, a new major installment in that franchise. We've been waiting and waiting. Uh, but they've been trying to tamp down expectations and seem to indicate that Diablo 4 wouldn't happen. We even talked about that on the show, that it seemed very clear that that wasn't going to happen. But that didn't stop them from closing their uh, opening ceremonies where they usually reveal all the big reveals, closing their opening ceremonies with a Diablo announcement and starting the very next panel at the convention with Diablo. What's next? Uh, the announcement turned out to be a game called Diablo immortal, which is a mobile only version of the game. This is not a port. It's a brand new game uh, with brand new story content in the Diablo universe. It takes place between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, and it is on mobile only. We don't know much about it as far as how it will be monetized, but almost immediately there was a big uh, backlash and a, and a lot of disappointment from fans who were hoping for something more traditional from the Diablo franchise. And uh, some people asked questions at the Q&A about if this was a uh, April Fool's joke, and then the internet sort of went crazy, and a lot of people felt like they were, quote, slapped in the face. 
Uh, I am so glad you're bringing this up, Mel. I, I've been wanting to talk about this all day, and uh, I'm so glad to talk about it with you, who is both a publisher and a developer, somebody that has dealt with uh, fan expectation and has dealt with announcing new products. What do you make of all this? Well, there's there's a lot to this. It's it's uh, it's gonna be hard to dissect it, um, but I, I think piece by piece, you know, there were expectations from people at BlizzCon. Obviously, this is your hardcore audience. These are the people who will go away from the event and evangelize you and your games to the world and be your biggest fan. And they showed up, and you know, it, it appears that they were really disappointed, uh, which is unfortunate. And in games, you know, we, we talk about there's there's the game and then there's the time and timing is everything. And I, I don't think it was uh, I mean, I know that the you know folks are at, Blizz, at Blizzard feel like maybe a little shocked by this or they're they said that they were expecting some backlash, but they didn't expect it to be like this. I say you can never underestimate your community and you have to be prepared for everything. And I can't help but think and I, and I hate to be the one who's critical here because, you know, Blizzard and Activision, these are you know monumental giants in our industry but you know just knowing what you're going into i i can't help but think why didn't they have at least something about diablo 4 and just a little stinger in their back pocket to to pull out and to just say hey we know you know we have this and we have this but mm -hmm. you know uh that's one that's one aspect of it is maybe you know they underestimated what the response was going to be. Um, and we've done that at Zen uh, before. There's, there's no question. I, I, many other game companies have done it. And developers, publishers, op you open yourself up to your audience in a way that's unlike most other industries, I think, um, how close we are to our fans and our communities. Um, so uh, that's that's one element of it. Um, and then there's a whole other aspect that, uh, you know, all the things we love, all the biggest brands in the world, they are going to mobile. Um, that is an audience that is larger than the console and PC market. It's more global. Um, there's huge markets, China, Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia, that have never experienced the things that we love here in the West. Um, this is going to be their first exposure to it. And in China, they don't you know, necessarily play consoles. They, they have PC and they have phones. And so I think that they're thinking on this different level. And of course, players in North America and Europe aren't thinking out in those same terms. So the communication of the whole thing, the timing of it, being prepared with something else that you know your core audience wants. I just, I feel like all these pieces were maybe just, you know, it's hard for me to sit here again and tell Activision Blizzard, like, here's what you should have done. But just me looking at it now um, as a developer, as a publisher, as someone who has to think through these same things, these were the, the pieces that were maybe just not quite baked and put together. And, and unfortunately you have an audience that's very vocal and very passionate. And this is kind of the result. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right that hindsight is 2020, right? Uh, but it, it, a lot of people are pointing toward Bethesda when at E3, they made a big deal about the new Elder Scrolls mobile game. They also did exactly what you said. They had that stinger that, hey, there's a new Elder Scrolls main game coming. We're not going to tell you anything about it, but it sort of assuaged any fears that mobile would sort of take something away from the more traditional experience because they said, Hey, this one is actually coming. We'll just show you a title card. That's not even actually the title of the game. It's just to show you that we're working on it. And in, in retrospect, that, that seems like a pretty shrewd way of, of, of doing it. Uh, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, Oh, another another comparison to, to uh, Bethesda that I thought I'd point out is another thing that you you brought up, Mel, which is 
you know, Bethesda has been very upfront about the fact that one of their mobile games, Fallout Shelter, has been played by more people than have played all of the other Fallout games and all of the Elder Scrolls games combined. So that's a huge thing uh, to, to, to sort of discount the, the reach of mobile, I think, is, um, is not wise and not, re- not admitting the reality of where we are as a, as a, as a world. So uh, I, I do have a lot of things to say about this, but Christian, I want to have you get a chance to weigh in here. Sure. I, I mean, I, I've heard that uh, Fallout Shelter. I think that was at E3 this year and they said that. Um, and I have played Fallout Shelter for 30 seconds and immediately deleted it off my phone and thought this was free and this is not for me. I do not like this game. Delete. But I count in those stats. So I think that's a little hard. It's lies, damn lies and statistics. Yes, I bet more people have played it. It was a free to play game that got front page on the App Store and everybody does have a phone and you download and check it out. I'm sure some people do love it, but that's it's wildly, I think, inaccurate comparison, even when Bethesda made it to compare those two. It's just saying it's like, I don't even know an, an analogy to it. I, I think that's a, a BS statistic. Um, maybe they have more stats inside of uh, Bethesda about how many people actually play it and monetized and spend and stuff like that. They didn't want to share it. But that broad one is just like, that kind of means nothing to me. Um, for Diablo, I thought the trailer, this both the cinematic and the gameplay trailer, um, not being at BlizzCon, I thought they looked pretty good. I'm excited for the game, depending on price and control. My main, um, concerns are how it plays. I've played the other, some people online have been saying that this is a, a air quote reskin of another NetEase game. I tried that game a year or two ago whenever it kind of first came out and I re-downloaded it again and played it. I didn't like the game then. I don't like it now. I don't think it controls particularly well. Um, Fortnite keeps tweaking how it plays on mobile. Now you could have an option where it auto shoots when you're within range because aiming is hard to be precise. And it's, it's just a much more casual experience when you play on your phone. I play on my phone from time to time, but that's never my preferred way to play. Um, my concern for this, for a game like Diablo, is it, is it just what I would consider personally kind of a throwaway thing that's on my phone Then I'm at the doctor's office and I didn't know it'd be a 30 minute wait and I'm bored and I've checked Twitter already. I guess I'll do this versus something that feels well-made, polished, and is actually the preferred way to play this type of game. Um, so I won't know until it comes out, obviously. But those are my concerns. And then price point. Uh, NetEase has a, a history for a lot of microtransactions and other games that they've created. And that is also kind of the trend on mobile um, and gating things and loot boxing things and um, really breaking up the experience. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I also am not the biggest Diablo fan in the world. I, I played through three. I bought it on launch on PC. I'm pretty sure I've played all of them, but I have, I played through it once, right? I didn't respec. And, oh, now I'm going to play on eternal or whatever, like the hardest difficulty. Um, so I could understand how a very passionate fan base would be upset at this kind of announcement. I also could understand how, um, <laughs> unfortunately blizzard, box themselves into a corner a little bit with teasing something and then trying to pull back, <laughs> pull those reins back after everybody got on the Diablo four hype train and then had, you know, was going forward with this announcement because of everything else that we don't know about, right? Stock 
announcing a product when a product comes out, getting it out before the holidays, this, that, the other. Um, and it kind of was a perfect storm of um, unfortunate circumstances, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of things can be true at the same time, right? I think it is pretty clear that Blizzard made a big mistake in how they ruled this out in that presentation. Closing the show, closing the the uh, opening ceremony with it, um, positioning it like it's a, it was a, the thing that was going to be most exciting coming out of the show, I think wasn't, in retrospect, wasn't wise. I I am inclined to believe that that's because they genuinely thought it was going to be cool. <laughs> so maybe that was just hubris on their part. But I think it, it, knowing that people were hoping for um, more substantial Diablo news, I think you could have predicted that that closing the the opening ceremony with this wasn't wise, and that positioning it like this was the big mic drop. It didn't go over well. Even the the announcement, the guy was a little seemed a little flustered, and it just it just didn't play well theatrically, you know, as a, as a piece of, of, of performance, it didn't work even. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, I am a big Diablo fan. I've put hundreds of hours into Diablo three and even more into Diablo two, probably in my time. Uh, and, uh, I was not super excited about Diablo immortal. I, I don't, it's not the game that I'm going to be excited to play. I have played it. I had got hands on it. Blizzard uh, at BlizzCon. Um, with it for a substantial amount of time. And I was actually surprised at how well it translated to a phone. I've been on record here on the show many, many, many times for years saying, I just don't like virtual sticks. And it's still the case. Like I'm not a huge fan. Then the game uses a virtual thumbstick to move your character around. It does that smart thing where it literally places the virtual thumbstick wherever you happen to put your left thumb down, uh, which a lot of games do now. And I think is the best way to do it. And the other controls are are great. I mean, the game looks great. It it's fun. It's a Diablo game. It feels like Diablo. It's. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with how well it translated to phones. I was playing it on, uh, I believe, the new Note phone is what they had uh, set up. So I was playing it on Android, um, and uh, I played the Barbarian. They had the Monk and the Wizard available as well, but I I just played the Barbarian. It it plays really well. It's not a game I'm particularly excited about. And it is not a game that I think uh, was what I came out of that uh, announcement buzzing about. Like there were plenty of other things to get excited about, I think. But I think also true with all of that is that there is a big problem with fandoms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're like, it's one thing to say this game is not for me. I don't like it. I wish they had announced something else. There's another thing to say it shouldn't exist and it's an insult to me that it does that it is a slap in my face that i somehow deserve something different than this that everything that has happened because i paid my money to go to blizzcon or i've supported this company in the past they owe me something different than what they've decided to make and i find that to be so distasteful and frankly childish as a response that it makes me embarrassed to be part of these kinds of communities. You know, BlizzCon, I've been going to BlizzCon since 2007 and I love it. It's my favorite convention. I, in fact, the night I got to BlizzCon, I tweeted, I heart BlizzCon because I just got there and it felt good. It's, I felt like I was of among my people and BlizzCon 
isn't like other conventions. It's not like E3 or, or PAX even. It, it really is this celebration and it's about these friendships that have formed. It's about guild members that have only ever seen each other virtually meeting in the same place at the same time. It's this love fest. It's this really positive place. And the fact that a negativity like, like this, like booing at BlizzCon, it just felt so out of place and wrong to me. It just felt like the, the ugliness of the world seeped in even here. And it really got to me, man. And I think that this, this feeling of, offense like personal offense at a company announcing a product that you don't like it is so weird and that this thing shouldn't exist i I had a a college professor once tell me uh, that if you don't understand something chances are it wasn't made for you and it's okay everything doesn't have to be made for you it would be one thing if they said hey this is the next diablo game and we're not making any others this is the one then I would understand like, oh my God, you took something away from me. But they have been very clear, very explicit in the, in the fact that there are multiple Diablo games coming there. You can be certain that there is a Diablo 4 or whatever the next Diablo main game is going to be called. It's still happening and it still will be coming out on PC that this is not that game. Why haven't they said that then? Well, I, I, I don't know you the said answer you could be that. certain and I would say they probably you, you can't be certain because they haven't said that they Maybe. have been very explicit about that over and over they said we have multiple teams working on multiple diablo franchises the Dia- or games the diablo franchise is very important to us it's it's one that we will you know continue to put a lot of you know it's they've all but said it and why do you get to determine what their timeline for announcing a game is i don't i don't i don't understand why them all but saying it is different than them putting a title card and saying Diablo 4 will be happening, but not now. Like, it's basically the same thing. It seems like a very immature need to be like, I need to be reassured that it's, but they did reassure you. They all but said it. And like, if you don't like this game, you don't have to play it. There's nobody forcing you to play it. People are like, oh, it's predatory and it's so, okay, don't play it. Nobody's forcing you to to do any microtransactions in this game. It. It just seems so odd to me, this reaction. And I think that can be true. And also they didn't message this well can also be true. And also I don't particularly want to play this game can also be true. I think all of those things can be true at the same time. And I got a lot of people saying online to me, oh, you're defending it. You're such a corporate shill. You know, you're defending this big corporation that wants to take my money. That's not just because I think the response was childish and overwrought doesn't necessarily mean I think the company is without fault as well. It's, it doesn't, it's not a zero sum game in my opinion. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we've seen, it's been a slow build, but, um, the idea that everybody has a voice that can be amplified a million times over is still a new thing that we as a society are learning how to use. And I think along with that, came like um sick burns dank memes um roasts those are the things that go viral the quickest uh it's the old school version of ball and groin and it's like you know seeing someone get burned uh and getting your um sarcastic witty take up and quickly those things spread hold on and i've certainly been part of that before uh and i'm sure i'll say something snarky again in the future on twitter 
and uh and and that stuff goes forward and amplified and you have this voice and you have this place to express it now in a way where it didn't exist before but i think people's feelings whether you want to call it entitlement or being passionate has existed for a long time and an analogy that makes sense to me and, and my fandom is uh, i've been at plenty of sporting events where you boo the home team and you boo them viciously and you know they they bring in a pitcher and he gives up a home run uh in the world series after he's given up several home runs in said world series you make your displeasure heard just like you would cheer if they came in and won. And so the idea of that's people classless too, honestly, I do. I, I don't think that that's a justification. They say that people do it in other, I, I think Leo Ben in the chat says, uh, can we not criticize? Are we not allowed to voice concern? And I got a lot of people saying that like, this is just my opinion. I'm not allowed to, to share my opinion. That is not at all what I'm saying. I share my opinion all the time. My opinion is, I don't particularly want to play this game either. I think they made a, a lot of mistakes in how they rolled it out. Uh, I, I can make snarky comments as well. It's not snark that I'm criticizing. It is this level that we take things to where it is rage and it is offense and it is uh, they have they are destroying something I love and I therefore must destroy them back. It is. It, it, it is completely disproportionate to, to what is going on. That is not opinion. Saying, oh, we can't voice my opinion. That's not opinion. Opinion is saying what you think about something, what you feel about something and being reasonable about it, being respectful and being human to other humans. I think we have lost all meaning for what opinion. And the idea that something is my opinion is sort of this this catch-all that allows any kind of behavior because, oh, I'm, I'm just saying what I think we, there's no decorum. There's no sense of, uh, respectfulness to just fellow human beings to be able to, to say what you feel about something without going completely off the deep end. Well, I think that's where we've evolved to in this one-upsmanship and trying to have your thing ring loudest it's you're in a room yelling you know and people find ways to amplify that message and the anger and the hate and the snark is rises to the top often and gets shared around and passed around and you know high-fiving with your buddies because this that or the other and before um it, it, it this makes sense to me and it's this version of before you'd go to a restaurant and the sandwich was bad and you would go, I'm never coming here again. And then you maybe would tell your friend, oh, that place isn't good. Don't go there. I had a bad experience. Now it's this idea of like you go somewhere and it's a bad sandwich and you are going to put that place out of business. Yes. I am going on Yelp. I am tweeting. I, and it's like this idea because we have this voice, which is often positive, but everybody has a voice that can be seen and heard and read by everybody. There's uh, and I'm saying that's anger bad. and hate I, is, I, is the easiest thing to, per, to to spread. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying I, I see the trajectory of how we got to this well, place. Well, sure, but that doesn't and, excuse it, in my opinion. I mean, just acknowledging that it has evolved to that doesn't make it right. Well, I think people were just as angry before. They just didn't have this place where it went viral and you saw it. 
Mel, what do you think? Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I, I've seen the evolution of this now over uh, my, I don't know, 15 years in, in the industry where uh, before you put a game out or you did something, um, you really had no way to receive this very quick feedback and immediate response from a group of connected people who all agreed the same thing. So it was very segmented. It was even piecemealed in. Like you used to get these complaints uh, by postmail, right? And then uh, and then we started message boards and we started uh, online forums and we had, um, you know, NeoGAF and we had all this where people started uh, be able to post a response behind a keyboard and they could just write whatever they want and hit enter. And it could be uh, as negative or as positive as they wanted, but there was really no repercussion. Um, and they felt like there were uh, layers between themselves and whoever they're talking to. And that's progressed. And now we, you know, we have Facebook and Twitter and these things where there's more, it's more interactive and it's more communicative and people having conversations about things, but it's still a little more removed. Um, and then come to BlizzCon uh, just this past weekend, this is the first time I've ever really seen the culmination of all this, like where the people felt so empowered, like they could just say whatever they wanted directly to the, you know, the guys who make this game right to them. There's no barrier anymore. There's no screen in front of them. So I feel like we really broke through um, a, into a new territory and it's kind of scary from where i'm sitting as a developer because uh, we're all aware of things that the, the ugliness of of toxic communities and people making death threats and all this kind of stuff but to see it person in person at a celebration at a place where uh, these are your 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 most loved people being together that's kind of scary to me um, yeah and it's unfortunate that we've gotten there but we've empowered people because we listen to their feedback i think game developers probably listen to their fans and to their feedback more critically. And, and they take it to heart more than any other creator that I know, um, but creators just in general. And so I think that we've crossed into new territory. I don't know what the, what the total outcome of this will be, but I do, but this is a new precedent and hopefully it doesn't get uglier and uglier in the future as we open ourselves up to interacting with our communities and our fans and really trying to celebrate with them. And then you just kind of get dumped on, you know? So despite, not being happy about something, right? You have to understand that not everything is for you. And there's more to this world than just you playing on your console, or your PC. There's billions of other people who are going to play a game and they're making this experience possible. It's okay. Hey, but BlizzCon should have had an answer. Hey, we're going to have, don't worry. This is, is still coming for all you people who we know what you want to hear. My biggest problem is that this is somehow all couched in this, consumer advocacy that there's the line has blurred between actually speaking up when you feel like you're being manipulated or being uh, taken advantage of to literally, I just don't like this. And so now I'm transferring that into a feeling of being manipulated and being taken advantage of. I think it weakens actual consumer advocacy and it, it couches everyone in this self-righteous feeling of consumer advocacy that's false, that, that, that isn't actually speaking up for, you know, there all these people saying, oh, that, you know, they're going to steal my money and they're going to force me to do all these microtransactions. And it's like, just don't play the game. Don't download it. Don't play it. You have all the power in this situation. There are times to speak up and speak out and people, you know, bring up bring up those times. And, uh, I think, and I try to support them when I feel it's, it's, uh, it's applicable, but not every situation is the same. And just because the thing you wanted didn't happen doesn't mean 
that you are somehow being manipulated or taken advantage of as a consumer. And it it's really disturbing to me because even trying to voice some kind of sense of moderation and 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 to say slow down, get over yourself, you're not entitled to anything. Just take some responsibility and don't play the game if you don't like it. People are like, "Oh, I'm how dare you? You're on their side. You're not speaking up for the consumer. We're being it's it's absolutely skewed and distorted and and all insane and you can't even have a rational conversation about it anymore. Just like everything else in life, I guess. It's kind of where we are in this world, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think um, <clears throat> Jeff over on in, in your chat, so I think it was Tyler Perkins, I apologize if I'm uh, misattributing, but said like being a fan of X, it you know, defines people now. And and I think to some extent, this is the dark mirror or, you know, through the looking glass of that, where for a long time, uh, brands and IPs, they want these mega fans, the, the hardcore, the elite, the influencers, the people that live, die, and breathe everything you put out, and they'll always go to bat for you. And the through-the-looking-glass version of that, then, is the spoiled child to some extent, right? Where it's all of a sudden, if you now have this group that is so enthusiastic about the thing, and then you stop doing the thing... You now have a large group of people that have come together and group think, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it. They're emboldened to act in a way and one up each other and all start doing this thing where now they feel like they have been wronged because they've been told or fed or thought they believed one thing. And then this other thing happens and it gets it gets ugly. And it, it, I don't know how you manage that. Like even in my D D tier level of stand-up recognition, right? It's like, what is that line of um having a fan or friend uh doing a bit that someone wants you to do, respecting what you want to do? And I'm not saying these are exactly the same, but like this idea of you want someone to buy everything that you put out as Marvel or DC or whatever, Blizzard, um, uh, Sony, God, whatever. And then when that goes a little sideways, some of these, your biggest air quote fans can become the the biggest monsters. And and again, I think this is a new thing that we don't quite know how to deal with. And I think Mel hit on some of it where it's because you have groups of like-minded people that are able to now come together and encourage each other to you know, voice displeasure and then, yeah, good job, good job, good job, good job. And, and then along the same side, along the same lines, there are people that are also saying, Hey, dial it back. This looks cool. I want to play it. And those people are cheering each other on. And it's, it becomes divisive when you just get locked in these echo chambers. Um, but we've, we've built ourselves to this point. And so I think what I was trying to say earlier is this, it's, I'm not saying it's okay because I see the trajectory of how we got there, but I think we need to understand how this started and how we got here to wrestle with it, what we do with it, because I do think it is a very recent thing and I don't know what the solve for it is. I don't think lecturing people on the, I don't want to say the other side, but you're being naughty, you're being spoiled. I don't think that accomplishes anything either. I don't know what the fix is, but I see these groups yelling at each other and I don't think we've found it. I mean, I guess that my perspective is uh, also altered by the fact that I I live with a two-year-old right now. 
And I see this behavior every day in my two-year-old. And uh, so, you know, you talk about, you know, don't, don't lecture. Well, you know, <laughs> my dad hat comes on and I go, my, my son goes, want it, want it. Eh! And I go, stop, stop. Uh, and, and this is not any different to me than that behavior. It is equally uh, lacking of any kind of uh, perspective and uh, self-awareness. It is, it is so many people have said so many things that online that I read just today that just betray a complete lack of knowledge about how anything works. And it's, it's just exhausting and it makes me embarrassed of my hobby, you know, and I don't know. I agree. I don't know the solution either, but I have a hard time just, sitting back and watching it happen and, and don't watch it happen. Unplug from it. Well, that's not helpful either. It's, it's my, it's my hobby. I was there. I was at the show, you know, like I, uh, you know, I heard the booze. I it's, it's, it felt gross and I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm not into the game. I played it. I thought it was actually pretty good. It's not a game I'm going to rush to download. I'm not excited to play Diablo on my phone. But that's because I'm not excited to play any action game on my phone. That's the games I play on my phone are like card games or turn-based games. That's just how I interact with my phone. But I but maybe there's somebody who's never played a Diablo who will play. Maybe I just I I'm not self-absorbed enough to think that I'm the only use case. And I also don't feel like because they're making this, it's somehow damaging the IP or ruining, you know, destroying my childhood or ruining something that I love. All of that is so self-inflated and disproportionate. It's ridiculous. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, I will say this. After Zen put out Jurassic Park pinball tables, I threw my phone in the trash. Yeah, well, that's, I was like, Jurassic Park? That's appropriate. And my pinball? That is appropriate. That's an appropriate response. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it, it's funny because like when nintendo announced that they were coming to mobile and all this i mean they didn't have this response right like right. mario wasn't ruined forever they handled it a certain way it was the right timing it was the right uh the right setting their partner i, I believe was dna kind of took the lead on it and here you know uh blizzard had their face in front of it even though it, it seems to be a net ease project so it's just i don't know the pieces just weren't Totally correct. But... I, I think that even I will go even farther on the Nintendo analogy because I was thinking about this today. It hasn't really been that many years, but I, but just to show how f- far we've gone down this path in just a very short time, in my opinion, if Nintendo announced the Wii today, if it, if if the the world is as it is today, but was when they announced the Wii, and they were coming from GameCube, right, and they announced the Wii. Nintendo is destroying. They're not making games for me anymore. They're making, it would have been, I mean, people reacted bizarrely then and the name people made fun of the name, but like it just shows how much the world has changed in a very short time. That's what 10 years since the Wii it's, it it, it is. uh, And I I also think even farther back, like imagine if you heard in today's ecosystem, if you heard, Michael Keaton is playing Batman. Oh my God. Set fire to the world. Set fire to it all. Burn it down. They're destroying Batman. They're going to have this stand-up comic. Mr. Mom is going to play Batman. 
I know people were surprised and shocked then, but it is a different world now. Not, and I, I, I really believe Christian, it's not just because we have more exposure to people's opinions. I think opinions themselves are amplified and disproportionate. And maybe it's because it is this self, you know, self-reflexive, uh, circular thing where you see it and then you react to it, then you see it and you react to it. Maybe that is it, but there's something else going on. And it is, I think, uh, problematic and it needs to change. Yeah. I mean, I think it's to see and react to it. Um, but living in the moment, it's hard for me to <laughs> zoom out and see it. But to me, that, that, that is what I think it is. It's, that's news media. It's coverage of politics, sports, Monday morning quarterbacking, games media. What's your hot take? Well, this is my hot take of your hot take. And here's my TV show about your hot take about their hot take. And this is my recap about your TV show about their hot take. And now I have the USA Today article that is Twitter polls of best zingers about what they were wearing at the Academy Awards. How do we pull and- back from it? We got it. We have to. I. I. I it's just. I don't know. It's just. I guess a never-ending spiral of callousness and self-absorption. But I think I think to Mel's point, though, and if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, but Mario Maker, I believe, not Mario Maker, Mario Run was announced at an Apple event, right? Right. Like that's a that's a phone event. Uh, so I know I heard, yeah, I heard that I, a lot too. People are like, "Well, they just announced it at the wrong event." So okay, you're not yeah. you're not able to handle that. Like you you can't handle them announcing it at your precious BlizzCon. Like it's it's so disproportionate to me. It's like okay. So they made they made a tactical mistake. I think that's a fair criticism. Criticize them for making a tactical error on how they announced something. It, they didn't destroy anything of yours, and you needn't destroy anything of theirs. It's it's weird. Anyway, we've talked about this long enough, and I'm probably going to get buried in email about it. So I wrote you ten just while you I were talking. Believe it. Um, <laughs> let's uh, in our own callous way. Let's transition to a a sponsor. Yay. Uh, I probably won't get any sleep tonight uh, because uh, I have children. I already mentioned my two-year-old. But also, uh, you know, this kind of thing uh, keeps me up at night. It it worries me about the world, which is why we should vote. But if I did sleep, oh my, it would be great because I'd be on my Casper mattress. Oh, Casper. Casper makes uh, cleverly designed wonderful products that help you get your best rest one night at a time. They make mattresses, including mattresses that, that uh, I have received opened up, seen unfurl before my eyes like magic. It's pretty cool. They come in these little self-contained boxes that doesn't look like you could fit a mattress in there. And then you slice it open. It pops alive. It comes alive. Like, uh, I don't know what, like uh, what is something that comes alive? I don't know. Uh, Frampton comes alive. Like Frampton. There's a reference for the kids. And uh, these are, everybody loves these mattresses. They got over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. Uh, they have uh, a variety of different mattresses. You can get the Wave, the Essential, and the Classic that uh, have different price points and, and support your body in different ways, uh, keep you cool at night, which is nice. And they're affordable because Casper cuts out the middleman and uh, sells directly to you. You don't have a big box store to worry about. We're going to help you out. You should try this. If you're not sleeping well uh, and it has nothing to do with these other things, it's probably your mattress. So get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash DLC and using promo code DLC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Christian, uh, what is your story of the week? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, Nintendo Direct Smash yeah. is my story of the week. I think it, um, what I want to, there's a lot announced and we can recap the news, but to me, and even before, even with this Diablo thing, I, I really do think the biggest story uh, of the week is, oh man, what is it? I'm, I'm, I'm already missing the name. The new single player mode that was kind of just teased uh, and shown a lot of footage, but no specifics given during the, I got to pull up a tweet because I tweeted about it. Um, during the Smash Direct, it blew my mind. I thought it looked awesome. The overworld looked like a traditional Mario and like RPG elements and you're earning all of this stuff. Mel or Jeff, do you remember what it is before I look up my, uh, my no, tweet about it? I don't. I'll find it. I don't tweet that much, so I will find it. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, oh, World of Light. Mm. Oh, man. I was not expecting that. I was expecting what the space emissary or whatever they've kind of been doing before. And this thing, that part of that 40-minute Nintendo Direct really got me re-excited for Smash. I was probably going to buy it already anyway because I own all of them. um, And I buy like either the multi-tap controller adapter or whatever I need and four controllers because my brothers are visiting for Thanksgiving and we will play. Uh, (laughs) And we do. Um but it looked really, really neat. And I think the love and the care that they're putting into this smash really seems to warrant the name ultimate. Um, the spirits, all the collectibles in it. It just, this game looks chock full of Nintendo. Um, what's the right Crap. word? Just, <laughs> cra- no. Oh, no. sorry. <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> um, it's like nostalgia. Uh, all of the stuff. All of the stuff. Yeah. It, it, I'm really excited for this I game. I want to know, they, they announced also that there's going to be a bunch of uh, DLC packs uh, with new fighters and stages. And it's like, what What are you holding back? <laughs> They've set yeah. 74 fighters right. now. Uh, what are the ones you're like, oh, we'll save this for the DLC. <laughs> well, they all, they did announce a DLC pack of more. You can, it's like, what, five bucks individually or 25 bucks if you buy them all, but they haven't announced what those are going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's got to be Waluigi, right? Because that's one that seems to be missing. But whole, like, Mel, when you guys are putting together, you know, like table bundles or whatever, like a Marvel pack, like at what point did Nintendo just be like, just, everything i don't know light them all we're doing the grand finale right at the beginning all the fireworks are getting blown up like what is this package decision making like in your experience or what is nintendo thinking putting this thing out i don't i mean i can only think that well we're going to be surprised on some level i i think they're probably pulling from i mean obviously other games even outside of the kind of the core japanese uh publishing scene i think we're going to see things probably from other uh independent developers, um, things that we might not expect. Nintendo's really opened up like that recently, especially, I mean, I know we, we talk with them, uh, Kirk and Damon up there. They're really pushing uh, for interesting right now is the, the, the hmm. word I can wrap around it. So hmm. while I don't know what they're going to do, I, I see the opportunity for games that maybe uh, we wouldn't even expect, characters we wouldn't even expect being pulled into this. It, it, it seems like the culmination of Smash Bros. I mean, it is ultimate. Yeah, I feel bad for whatever the game director is who comes on to the next Smash game. Is like, um, uh, guys, what do I um? I wanted to <laughs> get some new ideas about some things. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's again. This is one of those games not for me. I've just never been a Smash player, and I don't enjoy that 
uh, sort of battle of attrition that is Smash. Like, you know, wear me out until I can't possibly keep jump back on the platform. Uh, but man, I, I admire it from afar. It, I am in awe of the pure level of um, over the top that they seem <laughs> managed to find. Uh, yeah, this uh, this cup runneth over for sure. Uh, but I didn't I... watch. Go ahead. Did they say if Shovel Knight was in there already? Oh God, yeah, it's seventy-four of them. I I haven't been keeping track enough to be able to tell you that he. It, there was something. I don't know if he was an assist or not. I'm trying. I'm going. It was in this in this last direct. Um, the internet was already correcting me if I'm wrong. But yes, he, Shovel Knight is in here in some form or fashion. Okay. See, that's the, the thing- sort of thing I think we can see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're talking about third party, yeah, character. Well, Ken was the big announcement too uh, in this in this direct, and that's a Capcom character, of course. So you know, there's all kinds of craziness. Um, I, I also just <laughs> appreciated the new cutscene where they. It seems to indicate that they just Thanos killed everybody. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> like it just was like, oh, you, here are all your favorite characters. Watch them die. I guess, and become spirits. I don't know. It was a little weird, but also very intense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think there's going, there's something more to that, that, you know, everybody's dying. Mario died in the one when uh, Ridley showed up, Luigi died in the next one. Now everybody dies. Um, it's and dark. The spirits are collectible trophies. Yeah. Maybe that's how, <laughs> that's how this one ends. Like there really isn't another one. Like you play <laughs> through that single player campaign and it's just like, they're dead. It's a for this real. game is a cry for help, is what it is. <laughs> we can't stop. We don't know how to stop. Someone stop yeah. us. <laughs> um, my story of the week is. I mean, this is a crazy week. There's so much to talk about. I guess I'll go with another BlizzCon story because it's actually something positive that came out of the show. I think uh, something that I've been hoping for for a long time, and a lot of people have been dreaming about, and didn't think it was going to happen this year. Warcraft 3 is being remade, the classic RTS Warcraft 3 that inspired World of Warcraft and uh, created the MOBA genre, basically single-handedly, um, is, is actually going to be completely remade from the ground up called Warcraft 3 Reforged. I got a chance to play it at BlizzCon. It is coming uh, 2019, going to be 30 bucks. And it's gorgeous. I think, um, you know, this is a classic RTS. RTSs are all but dead, I think, as a genre. But maybe this this th- can give them a little bit of a shot in the arm and maybe lay the groundwork for a Warcraft 4? Who knows? But um, I, I think Warcraft 3 has the best RTS uh, campaign story of all time. It's a it's a really interesting, cool story about the the, the fall of Arthas. And they have lovingly recreated it. It seems to be that they have actually remade the cutscenes. Even uh, certainly, the cutscene they showed at the announcement uh, was remade, and maybe that means they're remaking all the cutscenes. I think this is awesome. First of all, hopefully, players that never got a chance to play this game will get a chance to experience it. It's a great game, but also it, it's another example of how I think remakes are so superior to remasters, and I hope that we continue to see the trend of remakes and actually putting a lot of effort into really going back and remaking games like Shadow of the Colossus and others have done instead of just up-resing games. Uh, but I think there's a, these games can hold up and are worth revisiting if you do it right. Uh, what do you think, Mel? Yeah, I, I think your point about a remake versus a remaster uh, is definitely true. Uh, I think 
you, you just put so much uh, you, you give the game a whole new life when you remake it and then, look let's be honest there's been so many great games that even i haven't played i didn't play warcraft 3 i remember last year at blizzcon they announced uh, the og you know the vanilla servers were coming back and uh, warcraft was going to be there and i was like all excited about it the amount of time i have i didn't even go back and get to do that yet i'm hoping to maybe over the christmas break but just the thought of this happening, it's remake. I'm going to buy it. It's going to sit there for a while, but eventually I'll get to it. But it's going to be there beautiful and pristine. I think that this is a good thing for players, especially in the new generation of people coming up who maybe didn't, you know, they were too young to play this, but now they've, they're at the right age and the right moment. Uh, it's going to put a lot of pieces together for them as they continue their story with, with Blizzard and, you know, they're, they're fans of this genre and this franchise. So it's totally a great move. It's, it's awesome that this is happening. What do you think, Christian? I'm, I'd, I'd love to see um, the age demographic data for these types of things, whether it's Spyro, Crash, I'll lump into this, uh, Medieval, Yeah, we um, got a Warcraft. first trailer of that game this week right. as well. Yeah, the Warcraft 3, Vanilla WoW, which is maybe a little different. But I, I wonder how many people um, are like me, <laughs> and we buy them as Remember Berries and maybe don't put that much time into it, but be like, you know, it's 30 bucks. You know, it's pretty good. And then you play it for an hour and then you kind of don't play it again. And how many are new people really coming to the the game or franchise for the first time? I have no idea. It'd just be a wild guess if I were to make one, but I'd love to see that because I hope new people are getting exposed to these games. I just don't know if SNES minis were all bought by me and my fellow 30 somethings. <laughs> you know, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very good question. I'd love to know the answer myself. But uh, yeah, you, you mentioned Medieval. It got a it's got a pretty cool trailer. It looks like a complete remake there as well, with really updated visuals and and new physics and stuff. Um, I, I love this. I, I want more companies to continue to sort of put the extra effort in, and hopefully it, it pays off for them. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it clearly Crash Bandicoot did. So yeah, Crash was huge. It was a mon- sales monster, yeah. and it looks like Spyro is. People are I think tracking that as well. High expectations. Well, there's lots more news that happened, but let's uh, let's get into the games that we've been playing because we talked uh, quite a while. So let's uh, let's talk about our playlists. Mel, I see that you are uh, like many people putting some time into Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, we talked about that game a lot last week. I got a lot of feedback about it. Actually, got more emails this week than probably the history of our show with <laughs> so many people emailing, uh, which is really wonderful. And I appreciate everybody that sent in their comments. I read all of them and uh, enjoyed the uh, the debate. But what is your take on Red Dead Redemption Two? What What is your experience? Well, I am about I don't know ten to twelve hours into the game. I think uh, it's it's game time that I have to use uh, you know instead of sleep time. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Thing probably for any of us with, with uh, small kids around it is it's unbelievable um i think i i still can't completely wrap my head around it because it it, it feels so massive to me I, i've spent some time doing missions other times just exploring just looking at things uh dying on purpose just to see what happens um dying on accident getting eaten by grizzly bears uh that i should i have no business taking on it at this point in the game uh it's really incredible. The storytelling. Did you know I did, did Mel, when, when the, the first time you, you, you take that very first mission where the guy's like, let's track the grizzly bear. And then at the end of it, he goes, okay, well, I'm going to head back. You want to stay here and see if you can hang out with the, find the grizzly bear? 
And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, and he's like, okay, well, I'll see you back at camp. And then like, I found the grizzly bear dung. And as I was looking at it, the grizzly bear ran up and one shot at me. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to do this yet. <laughs> That's exactly the same that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, man. The, okay. So, you know, we're, we're working on some projects at Zen where we're, you know, there's some storytelling and some narrative and some things going on dialogue uh, VO. And I just, you know, the, the quality of this is just so out of this world compared to um, most of the things I've ever played. The attention to detail, the care for all the little subtle things, the inter- the character interactions, the it's just so impressive. I I just can't help but think like how high these guys have set the bar. Um, it is really really impressive. I'm kind of speechless. I'm trying to figure out how to describe to you guys what I think about the game. Um, I, it's just there's not. I haven't experienced anything like this before. In some cases, it's it's slow, but it's so demonstrative and so on purpose. It makes me feel like I am living in this time and that this is truly what the experience would be like if I was a dude on a horse riding from point A to point B and what would happen in this setting, this era, with these weapons I have and the people who are around me. It's just so real. Uh, that's, that's all I can take from it at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It is... Uh, an extraordinary, it's almost an irrational level of detail. I, I have an anecdote uh, that I'm sure other people have noticed, but it struck me uh, this week. I I got into a poker game as one does playing Red Dead Redemption 2. And uh, it, it, you know, you, you're still in that third person view. You're sitting around the table, you're talking with guys and you're playing Texas Hold'em. And the rules of Texas Hold'em state that the deal, the dealer changes. It rotates around the table hand to hand, right? So in most games that just happens in Red Dead Redemption 2, my character has an animation that they clearly recorded mo-capped of him shuffling. And then when he was done shuffling, when he was done with his turn, he stood up from his chair, leaned across the table and handed the deck to the next guy to be the dealer. And like placed his hand on the table and put his weight on his hand. It was clearly a motion captured moment of him handing the deck of cards to the next character in the game. And it is something that is completely unnecessary. It is so unnecessary for a digital game to animate the moment where my character hands the next character the deck of cards to change dealers. It could just happen. And it's like, it's an insane level of commitment too, because he would have to get up out of his chair. He can't reach the guy. He can't just slide the cards. They don't just magically appear in the next guy's hand. He would have to stand up and lean over and put his hand on the table and hand the card. It's like, it's just an example, a microcosm of the irrational level of commitment to this, to the verisimilitude that these guys have, have put forth. You know, this stuff is not cheap. I mean, anytime you get the cinematic like that and you animate it and you add voice to it i mean th- these are the most expen- expensive parts of development and this game is packed completely full of all the moments nothing is missed there's no like we missed a little bit of something it is is fully featured as i've ever seen anything in an open world narrative game it's, it's so incredible but are you enjoying it i think so um <laughs> <laughs> i've when i stopped playing I keep thinking about the game and I think that's impressive yeah. for me. I, 
today when I wasn't playing Red Dead, I was thinking about when am I, how many hours can I get home and squeeze in to spend more time with it? it it's pulled me in. It's made me want to spend time. So I think subconsciously I'm enjoying it, but I'm just in awe. I mean, like one, I'm like, wow, what is this? This is amazing. And so I am getting sheer enjoyment out of the fact that this is such a feat, such an amazing experience and amazing accomplishment that Rockstar has put together. I have had the opposite reaction, quite frankly. And uh, as in awe as I am, just like you, I am certainly in awe of it. It is a staggering achievement. It's a staggering technical achievement. But I, I have had so much enjoyment out of so many games that I sort of peeled away from in order to carve out time for Red Dead. I decided I may return to it at some point, but for now, I think I might be done investing time into that world until I, because I'm just not enjoying my time. And I, I, I understand that that's not maybe the point. The point is to sort of live this life. It's just not a life that I've ever wanted to live. And I admit I've gotten a lot of emails this week because I expressed something similar last week about the game. I've gotten a lot of emails challenging me on my position and asking me, uh, about other games that I have raved about games like, uh, gone home and um, uh, what's the other walking simulator that I that I went crazy for? Christian, uh, long title uh, about a family. What remains of what, what remains of Finch? Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, I I have really tried some self analysis. Really tried to figure out what it is that because a lot of people are like you know you point the very things that you pointed out in Red Dead that you didn't like are the things you pointed out in those games that you did like. And I think actually an even better example than even either of those two games that nobody suggested to me, but I will suggest to you, <laughs> is uh, all of the David Cage games, right? I, I have often talked about how I liked Heavy Rain and uh, Detroit, even most recently, a lot of people really didn't like. And I finished and had I really enjoyed my time with it. I thought it was, again, had a lot of flaws, but I enjoyed it because uh, the story was so compelling and I enjoyed having an effect on that story. And a lot of the things that David Cage does in his games that I compliment that I laud, like making me do mundane tasks to give me the feeling of being a robot maid, for example, uh, I complained about in Reddit. I don't want to do all these mundane tasks to feel like a cowboy. So I have really tried to figure out what it is different. What, why I'm a hypocrite here. And I honestly haven't come up with very good examples other than the fact that in a David Cage game, for example, that's the whole thing. Like that's the whole, you are just inside the story all the time. And I feel like I have an effect on that story. And with Red Dead, it feels like these long gaps between cutscenes, and I'm just waiting for the next cutscene. and the gaps I'm not enjoying as much. And but I think that's a pretty flimsy. I, th I think it's just one of those things where for whatever reason, this game and its systems don't entertain me. They don't, uh, they don't capture my imagination in the way other games do. And maybe that'll change. Maybe when I come back to it, I'll, I'll appreciate it in a different way. Maybe I won't feel so much pressure. I can relax and just enjoy it. But for now I've decided I'm going to go back. I'm going to play more Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm going to play games that I just have more fun with. Uh, and I'm not going to force myself to play a game I'm not liking. So, 
I think that's 100% the right thing to do. Um, if you're not liking it, you know, don't keep forcing your way through it. I also wonder if because, you know, the, not like a, a force, but like for this show or whatever, like you felt a need to play the game and you have other time constraints on your life, job, kids, family, other games you also want to be playing because this is still a recreational hobby for us. Um, it's still how we enjoy spending our free time. If that made it feel like work and you didn't really have time to just live in that world and experience it in a, in a fun and relaxing way. Cause to me, the more I play this game, the, the more I fall in love with it. And I have uh, two examples of love. And then one example of like seeing cracks in the armor uh, where it's like so many systems are working in this game that I'm surprised I don't see more of them. And there are, there are several, they exist. I had one experience that was frustrating. Um, but my, my love moments that this is early in the game. And I think it was, uh, I was collecting a debt or a bounty. I don't remember what I was doing, but I had to go and find this individual, right. And, and get something from this person. And I go there and I'm trying to track the guy down. I'm talking to people in town to kind of see where this person is. And then I see this person and he starts escaping when he sees me. And he jumps on his horse and starts riding off. And in that moment, the game doesn't tell me what to do, right? It's not chase this character. I I didn't fail it, so I don't know if he... I know Red Dead does have those alert you failed reloads. Maybe that would have happened. I'm not sure. But it wasn't like, get your horse, chase this person. I think in that moment, I could have taken out my gun and shot them. Uh, I didn't do that because I was next to four other people at the time. I didn't want witnesses to this murder. I already had a bounty on my head. So I was near my horse. I run, jump on my horse, track this person down. I'm hauling butt on my horse after them. We're going through this gorgeous landscape, a train. We go under a train track and train comes running over us. And it's like, there's a, where I live in LA, I always drive home this way where a, a train goes over me and it feels like every driving game ever made, like where you're like on the bend and the train goes over you. Uh, and it felt like that, but I'm on a horse and this locomotive's going over me and I pull up next to the train and I can jump on the train. I don't need to tire my horse out and it's stamina. And I jump on the train and then from the train, you can jump off the train and tackle the guy. Or uh, I... I played on a uh, reloaded the save and had the same mission available again. And the next time I didn't get to the train, I rode up next to him and got close enough and lassoed him and ripped him off his horse. And I hogtied him and I threw him on the back of my horse to go find this thing. And he goes, Oh, come on. What? You don't believe me? As I was thinking, I'm going to bring you cause I don't believe what you told me. And it was like these moments of nowhere does the game tell you catch up to the train to get the guy. Nowhere does the game tell you use your lasso pull him down and get him nowhere does the game tell you you better shoot his horse to catch him all of these things are options that lead to a successful mission it's just how do you play it in this world with all of these you know mechanics and systems working together where all that matters is this objective of retrieving this MacGuffin or whatever and and playing that mission twice in a game where i normally don't save scum or have that happen it was just phenomenal to see how organic both experiences were and how fun they were. It absolutely blew me away. And then the other moment, I was I trying to pay down my bounty. So I had a bounty on my head. Uh, minor mechanic bounty spoiler. I didn't know this. Everyone else might. Um, I thought I could pay them down in piecemeal. You can't. 
or I wasn't able to, I should say, but I was like, oh, I have this money now. <laughs> I got to put it towards my bounty. I love that. That's so, it's such like a, uh, listen, I gladly pay you on Tuesday. I got $5 now. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. If I you have the installment plan, no, I will just arrest you. <laughs> well, you, you pay at the, you pay at the post office. So I had this money. If I kept it, then I go back to camp and they'd guilt me to donate into camp and I'd see a pretty pony. It's a downward spiral, right? Which is also what this story is. So I go into town, I go into the post office and I was playing, uh, our friends, Brian and Jordan were watching, uh, loving every minute of this. We all, it was a moment. It felt like college, right? So I go into town and I try to pay my bounty. I can't. I can't pay in piecemeal. And I'm like, well, dang, I'm here. getting money in Red Dead is so difficult, right? To get large sums of money. My bounty was already high because of a, a series of Lemony Snicket unfortunate <laughs> events. And so from there, I walk out and it's night and there's two dudes sitting outside the post office and you always have a rob prompt. And I was like, well, you, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Uh, I already have a bounty. That's what you mean. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> it, is. It, it totally was. It's like greet or rob, tomato, tomato. Oh. What are you going to do? <laughs> so I rob them both and get a grand total of like 60 cents or something. I was just like, nah, oh, not worth my time. Then someone I didn't know was there was around the corner. I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's robbing those people. Runs away. He's like, hey, this guy's robbing folk. And I'm like, you got to be. Kidding. So I tr- I chase after this guy because my bounty's already unpayable, right? It's already too high. This is how Christian went on a three state killing spree. By the way, this is uh, this this is oh, I just I all I wanted to do was to yes. peacefully pay off this nice man, and I ended up yes. murdering an entire city. Yes, yeah. I mean that is the spoiler, but it's what's that movie? Bad Day or the Michael Douglas movie? Falling down. Uh, yeah. Falling down. Yes, it was that. I'm, I'm just a good guy. I'm just. Tr- I'm just trying to do a thing. I'm just, a, in a series. I'm just, a, I, I'm just an unfortunate Terminator who has found himself I, in a series. Of- I, I was just trying to pay a bounty, Jeff, <laughs> a simple, way too highly priced bounty for what I was. I got the bounty. Caveman lawyer. I don't understand. I, I got the bounty because I was trying. I saved a woman from a cage in a cart. And how did I save her? I killed a guy. Were there sheriffs there that saw me and said, hey, what are you doing? And then I killed them too? Yes. But is the ba- is that a 200? So I'm at the post office trying to pay this bounty. I robbed these two other guys. What were they doing out so late? I don't know. But then someone else sees me. So he starts running away. Well, like, well now I'm in it, right? I'm in the muck. I got to get. I gotta chase this guy down. So I run after him and uh, I lasso him and I tie him up. In the meantime, I got off my horse near the post office where one would get off your horse. My horse apparently is a real horse and starts wandering. You gotta hitch that baby. You gotta hitch him. Oh, I did not hitch him. As I'm hogtying this guy, a train comes to town. You'd think my horse would get out of the way. It steps into the train. My horse goes dead. All my stuff's on this horse. I already don't have the money to pay my bounty. I'm not going to leave my horse there. I'm hog-hogging this guy. Another person comes in and sees me assaulting this guy. It's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't escape because I don't have a horse. So I run over to get my saddle to try to find another horse. So I'm running as people are shooting at me. And I go over to the stables. There's no horses there. But I see a guy leaving on his horse. I'm like, okay, game on. We're already in it. So I take out my gun. And I shoot at him, but I miss. He starts running away, but my shot startles this other guy in a carriage with his two horses. So they dart. The guy running away from me on his horse runs into the carriages. He flies off of his horse. His horse is now free now. So I run over, put my saddle on his horse, get on, ready to escape. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Not today, 
expletive, expletive, and I get off my horse, take my shotgun out of my saddlebag. Somebody else's saddlebag. No, it was my saddlebag. I got it off my old horse. And I walk into town, and oh, buddy, watch out. You pushed me too dang far today. Arthur is not gonna not gonna take this. And I walk into a barn and I do some very unkind things. Mm. Feeling pretty good about myself, I turn to walk out the barn and there are three dudes right there with their guns drawn. They light me up and kill me. The end. What a fantastic game Red Dead is. There is no narrative. There is no story reason. This all is just a thing. A series of events that all unfolded. Calamity, calamity, calamity. I had the best time. Uh, fair. But uh, I'll, I'll take just a, a solid quick save option <laughs> over any of that any day of the week. If I could just have gone, boy, this is going south. Uh, load. I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> That's just oh, how I am awesome. as a gamer, though. I would just rather not, not do that i'd rather just load a save and go that just all went south i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah just a very different experience and my thing where i saw the the cracks i got back from doing a thing and i had to like drop something off at my camp but i also had uh, a bunch of dead animals that i was going to turn in and like i couldn't do anything because the game was confused it was like drop this off talk to this person but i'm carrying a deer and i couldn't put the deer down and i couldn't talk to the person because i had the deer so it's all these weird like i think i was doing too much at one time and the game was like you got to do this but to do that you got to do this like the real old west man you you weigh yourself down with too many things in the old west yeah maybe but it is i mean it is just a triumph and i'm not rushing through it i'm just and like the stuff yeah i don't know i I love the story. I love the narrative. I love the the character pieces I get as I'm riding my horse, you know, with uncle to go out somewhere or talking to Dutch. And um, I didn't think it would work, but I like the fact that it is a prequel and listening to Dutch talk and seeing things fall apart, knowing what happens to him. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a triumph. I, I love this game and I talked for too long. No, I wish, I wish I felt that way, man. I really do. I I feel like I'm missing out on something, which is why I keep going, well, maybe I'll, you know, force myself to keep playing it. I just, it's not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to try to find the fun. I'm going to leave it for a while and do the things that I do find fun and come back. And I get it. People have complained to me a lot uh, on Twitter and in email that I even use that word fun, but it's an important word for me. It's, this is not, I understand that there are games that provide different levels of enjoyment that aren't just fun that actually, you know, lots of art does that. There's a lot of art that isn't intending to be fun, but for me, when I'm sitting down to a 50 plus hour experience, I want, I want some of it to be fun. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm having a, you know, I, I appreciate that though. I I'm glad people are digging it. It's just not, not my jam. Can I uh, talk a little longer? I apologize. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of not having fun. Can I do a quick commercial? Yes. Okay. Because maybe, Christian, instead of talking about it, maybe you just should make a website and put all your feelings down to your little Red Dead journal. And if you were going to do a website, might I suggest using Squarespace? Uh, Squarespace is uh, the perfect place to create any kind of website, whether it be uh, an online journal, blog, uh, even a uh, e-commerce site, someplace you want to sell something, super easy to do it with Squarespace. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. You can just drag and drop 
move them around, create with something unique, all your own, but start with something beautiful that they've crafted because the tools the Squarespace provides are simple. They're easy. They're intuitive. They have analytics that help you grow your business or your online presence in real time. They have built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. You never have to patch anything or upgrade anything. It's all handled for you in the background. They have 24-7 award-winning support. This is the place to go. I always suggest it to all of my friends and family whenever they need a website. I'm like, Squarespace, it's easy. I use it. I've used it for 10 years. It's the best. Uh, and if you go and check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, get your free trial, check it out, build your website. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Let them know it was a good idea to support this show and uh, use just the best. It's the best, the best way to create a website. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right, Christian, what were you going to say? Okay, so I know uh, Mal has played one other game that I, I think is fun, so I want to save that. And uh, there's just been a lot of games. Um, I have played only about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, of the Fallout 76 beta. And, uh, Jeffrey, I feel like, to me, that falls in the category of where you, I feel like, are with Red Dead, where I did not find... I, I, my thought was how much of this game do I need to play before I realize it's not fun for me? Um, it uh, it looks like Fallout. You think it's Fallout. Uh, granted, I'm not the hugest Fallout fan in the world, so, you know, know that going in. But it just, I don't know, man. Like, all the cool characters that you know and love and you get to meet in Fallout that tell you a story don't exist in this world. Um at least from my 90 minutes <laughs> caveat, caveat, caveat. Uh, it's just like dead people. And you listen to their voice recordings that seem well acted, but like there's not that interaction. It's just collecting things to collect things because you need to hoard everything and then bringing it back to your camp to fortify your camp. But then some other player just kills you just because, and then the combat's awful. Uh, it's just like, Vats made the combat good in the other games because you can slow down. You can that RPG. This doesn't have that. Doesn't have vats so at all. Like, I thought it had vats. Not slow down vats. Uh, not you. You can see like parts of an a, a thing. Vats I found work best when you're like it's dark and you can't tell if there are uh, whole moles or whatever they're called <laughs> in the area. You can kind of highlight characters or enemies that you might not otherwise see when you're sneaking. Um, I just found it to be a chore. I found the hand-to-hand combat to not be fun. I was in a room with uh, when two like rabid dogs or whatever they're called came in and I had a shotgun and it, it just, I don't know if his server saw it wasn't hitting. I, it was my n- entire 90 minutes of the game have been nothing but frustrating. So knowing my history with fallout to our listeners, you know, bear that in mind. It's not my favorite franchise of all time by any means, but I would encourage you to wait, for this game to come out and maybe read reviews before taking the plunge. Cause it just felt like it was missing the best part of fallout and doubling down on the parts that aren't great. Hmm. I'm sad to hear that. I don't know what to make of this game. I'm, I'm very curious when it finally releases. I, I, I it is not on my, not on my hype train. That's for sure. I, I not super excited for it, but I'm also very curious about it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Mel, I know you've also been playing Spider-Man. Yeah. 
Have you finished the Spider-Man? We are, I don't know, 70% through or so. It's funny because um, my daughter who will turn, uh, she's only, she'll turn eight next month. I've actually let her play this game with me. Um, in, so we're going through it together and we keep getting distracted and sidetracked, going to find backpacks and take pictures of stuff and do all, the, all this fun stuff. Um, so it's taking us longer than it would normally take to get through a campaign, but we're loving every minute of it. And it's funny because how fast paced uh, Spider-Man is compared to what I've been doing with Red Dead. Yes. I feel like it is a tale of two cities <laughs> of these big, huge AAA experiences, which are both awesome in their own rights. But when I swap the disc in and out, it is like two different, totally different things. So it's, it's funny to juxtapose the position with these two. Um, but yeah, man, I was thinking about that my, myself because uh, so much of, of Red Dead, you know, you are on your horse with somebody else and they start talking back and forth. And it's like, oh, this clever way to tell story while i'm going to a place and spider-man did that too but the going to the place was so fun so fun i was listening to peter parker have a conversation with mary jane on his cell phone but i was also having the most fun traversal of any video game of all time i think (laughs) it's yeah it's unbelievable uh you know, swinging or web swinging your way through New York City. My daughter's just like, that's New York. I have to go there. Like, what's this building? And what's that building? We're taking pictures. And then I can't wait we to see to Avengers up. Tower, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, does that really exist? So like, uh, yeah, you know, it's just really it's funny. We're we're looking up uh when we take a picture or something, we have to we have to Google it now. So she can actually read about it and know that's what awesome. it this is. So that's just the whole sidetrack. And that keeps us, you know, playing the game longer. But there's so many layers and you think you're getting through something and then there's a whole bunch of new hideouts to go tackle or a whole bunch of whole new things to do. And it's just, I love the way that it's unfolded. Um, The story is great. Every aspect of the game is incredible. Your Leventhal is an awesome Spider-Man voice, VO. He did our Spider-Man pinball table back in the day. So we had a chance Ah. to work with him. He's just incredible. Cool. Um, But yeah, man, Insomniac and Marvel together just nailed this. Bill Roseman over there, you know, Got to work with him before, um, the director of, uh, of creative and story. He's, the guy's just brilliant. He lives and breathes Marvel. I can just, I can feel all the guys that I know uh, at Insomniac and Marvel like this. Their passion and energy is just so prevalent in this game. It's just a masterpiece. I, I congratulate them on every level. That's super cool. Yeah, what a what a yeah truly uh, a wonderful exploration of that character and his lore and the fact that they managed to carve out their own version of all that in a you know, with a character that's seen plenty of versions that come up with something that feels reverent and authentic and, uh, you know, dead on perfect characterization of him, but also unlike anything else, it it really is its own universe for Spider-Man that doesn't feel like it's, it's different just for different sake. Uh, it's, that's a hard thing to do. Totally agree. Especially back in the day, the thing was to, you know, you make a game based on the film or somehow it's coming out alongside the film. This is just its own thing. And Spider-Man lives in his own video game story and universe. It's really what I think how Marvel approaches their films. Now they're taking that same approach to games. Um, I, it, it's it's really it stands on its own two feet it's it is its own thing it's a spider-man like we've all wanted i think um and i'm I'm just glad that you know we did it and insomniac was just so perfect i think you look back at the history of what they've done i feel there's a lot of uh, sunset overdrive uh you you can kind of feel how that led into uh, spider-man that may have been said before but i really think that that's there 
Yeah. Um, but it's really, they were the perfect choice for this. Yeah. They knocked it out of the park for sure. Um, I wanted to m- mention also last week when Allegra Frank was on the show, uh, we got into a discussion about falling asleep playing games and uh, she was uh, laughing about it, and as 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 was I, and I talked about. I admitted, came out of the closet that I uh, fell asleep playing Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, although I have to say that was a lot of that was due to ch- children, very young children. Uh, but I called out to the listeners to say, "Has anybody else fallen asleep playing video games?" A massive amount of people, <laughs> tons of people responded. A few of my favorites, uh, Jason from Cleveland uh, sa- sent a picture that his friends took of him asleep playing <laughs> a video game. Uh, they were laughing and took a picture of him. Uh, Jeremy B. fell asleep playing Uncharted 4. Uh, Ashley fell asleep playing Overwatch, although she said it was after surgery and she had been uh, you know, on medication. Uh, but she said she was playing Overwatch and her team was like, was not happy that she fell asleep. <laughs> was just standing there as they lost the match. Uh, Michael A fell asleep playing Ocarina of Time. And then not one, but two people, Scott S and Tim from Columbus, both fell asleep playing Gran Turismo, which that's a little disturbing. If you're driving and you fell asleep, uh, even in a video game, I think is a bad sign, especially if you're driving a race car and you fell asleep uh, playing a racing game. I don't know something worse about that for me <laughs> than any, but uh, thank you to everybody that sent uh, to DLC feedback at gmail.com. Your stories of falling asleep. Uh, there was a bunch more than those, but uh, I appreciate it. Jeff fell asleep reading them. So yeah, but I, again, <laughs> young children, uh, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> my playlist is chock full of tons of stuff. Uh, we kind of already talked about the games I played at BlizzCon. Uh, the Warcraft 3 remake looks really great, plays authentic. They actually even kept things that I think they probably should have updated, like the, uh, you know, how when video games started, every female character had a uh, obnoxious rack that uh, just made the hobby kind of embarrassing uh that's intact even though that character jaina in in the warcraft universe has been modernized and is much more interesting especially in world of warcraft now she's awesome but uh, it's a little obnoxious and it's there like they kept in all of the kind of warts and all for the for the game but uh it's it plays great and it looks really good it looks really good. I'm impressed with the uh, visual upgrade. Um, but the game I really want to talk about that I played a lot of this week is uh, Th- uh, Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales, which is um, a, a the game of Gwent, which if you've played any of The Witcher 3, you know that Gwent was their card game that you would go into taverns and play. And then they peeled that out and made it its own free-to-play game uh, that uh, uh, CD Projekt Red released a full version of Gwent, which is actually excellent. And now Thronebreaker, Witcher Tales, takes Gwent and builds an entire role-playing game around it. This reminded me a lot of games like Puzzle Quest, if you've ever played Puzzle Quest on on uh, mobile, where it's a, it's a full role-playing experience, but the combat is like this mini-game. Like with Puzzle Quest, the combat was a match three. Uh, there's a lot of games that do that, where they substitute in the, the combat that you would normally do in a in the game with its own sort of mini game. Uh, and I tend to like that. I tend to really dig those kind of games. Thronebreaker uses Gwent as the combat. So everything you experience, whether it's escaping a, uh, a cave in, in a cave or going to battle with a, you know, in a giant war, all of it is expressed through this card game of Gwent. 
where you have decks and you have characters and they uh, uh, stand on different rows and you have to accumulate power and beat your opponent, usually uh, two out of three rounds. I am super impressed with the amount of detail that Thronebreaker has. It's a full isometric top-down RPG overworld where you're moving around, you're investigating things, finding resources. There's a whole layer of building up your camp, your sort of kingdom, uh, your mobile camp kingdom thing, uh, which you spend resources doing, and that allows you to build new cards and add those cards to your deck and gives you other kinds of things. You know, it, it's a it's a very robust, full role-playing experience. The writing, the story is excellent. Unfortunately, they made some changes to Gwent for this one. Uh, they removed one of the, the rows of, of Gwent, which I thought simplified it slightly. And Gwent as a game, I think, is a really fun card game, especially when you're playing against another human. But basically, the way Gwent works, if anybody has played it, you put cards out on the on the table that have certain values and you can destroy your opponent's cards. But mostly what you're trying to do is just have more card value on your side than they have on their side when everybody runs out of moves. And you do that over three rounds, which adds this layer of strategy that says, oh, well, I'm going to hold back some cards this round and just lose this round in order to be able to win the next round and try to win two out of three. And that creates some really cool strategic planning but when you bring it into this single player experience and you have it express story beats through that system it actually becomes a little less exciting because all you're doing is making your number bigger than their number in a game like hearthstone or magic the gathering you are actually attacking the other player you're taking their health down to zero it feels like you're winning a fight in gwent all you're doing is having a higher number at the end or, you know, and you can go pass, you pass your turn and they have a lower number and you win. There's no defeating. There's no, there's no feeling of actually winning a fight. It's just, I accumulated more points than you accumulated. And I don't think that serves this kind of game as well as it could. And I, I, I kind of felt that as I played it, there are really cool moments. There are these um, puzzles that you can find where they set up a specific deck of Gwent cards and you only have a certain number of turns in order to complete it. And it really is, it's like, uh, you know how they print chess setups in the newspaper when there used to be newspapers uh, and you had to like solve the puzzle. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a full game of chess. It was just like, you know, a few moves that you would do and you had to figure out how you would get to checkmate. Uh, I don't know if anybody's done that, but that's how this is. And I find those to be really compelling and really challenging and fun and cool brain teasers. Uh, so I'm a little mixed on Th Thronebreaker. I really expected to fall in love with it because I tend to love these kinds of games. And I just didn't end up loving it as much as I thought I would simply because I think Gwent doesn't service this theme as well as it possibly could. But again, that's Thronebreaker the Witcher Tales. Again, the writing is fantastic. The, the voiceover, the actors they got, phenomenal. If you've experienced any of the Witcher games, you know that they do a great job casting them. Uh, but this game in particular, I think, is really strong narratively for those reasons. So I can recommend it that way. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's thank our third sponsor, which is Hymns. Now, Hims is a is a really interesting uh, company. I mean, this is a, a a company that exists to sort of 
make things that are maybe uh, uncomfortable or um, you tend to put off because you don't want to think about them to make them easy. Uh, things like things that we as guys might have to deal with or may not want to deal with like hair loss, like erectile dysfunction, male medical issues that can be handled now online and handled in a really uh, effective, confidential, and helpful way. Uh, I mean, if you, they say most men, 66% lose their hair by age 35. And that when you start losing your hair, when you start noticing, it might be too late to stop it. But there are ways to deal with that. There are ways to handle that. And forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, but also sexual wellness and skincare. Skincare is something I took way too long in my life to even think about because I'm a guy and I don't think about skincare. But, you know, you... Like if you're like me, you find a a woman in your life who convinces you it's really important to take care of your skin. And forhims.com is a place that has male-oriented skincare products, stuff to fight baldness. This is not uh, you know snake oil. This is not uh, the kind of thing you find on late night TV. These are this is actually scientifically proven methods. This is all in the up and up. And it's the kind of thing that you probably will put off going to an actual doctor to talk about. So why not check it out? And if you order now, our listeners can get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. You see the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash DLC. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash DLC. Again, F-O-R. H-I-M-S dot com slash D-L-C. Want to talk a little VR right now because, Mel, I know you and I have both checked out the Tetris Effect demo that was live over the weekend on the PlayStation Network. Um, what do you What do you think of it? <laughs> Heck yeah, dude, play this. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it was so awesome. It, it is awesome. It, we bought the game uh, after playing this. Um, again, I let my, my my younger daughter, she's she's my resident gamer uh, with me. My, my older one is is into more artsy, crafty. She might be uh, an artist one day for games. We'll see. But the other one wants to play and design. And uh, this was her first Tetris experiment experience. And it was, we were not a minute into the game when she ripped the headset off, you know, playing on PSVR. Dad, take it off, put it on me. She just wanted to watch. I was playing and she would not take the headset off. Um, it's it, it's incredible. Uh, I, I don't know. It, so you got the basic Tetris mechanic. Um, it's Tetris as you know it, but it's now wrapped into um, psychedelic lights and awesome music with a very positive message to all the music. Mm. Um very zen uh you know the the, the art and the uh, mocaps and the stuff that you've got in there are, are depicting a lot of zen things which is cool because that's kind of our, our you know obviously our company and our culture um but it's it was really really well done um obviously we played through a few of the um kind of marathon type experiences and also then just the levels um, and you can see how this game it's more than just tetris there's a lot of different modes a lot of different ways to play a lot of 
community goals. They're pulling together just this global community of Tetris. So it's going to become a very community global experience. I'm excited to see where that goes. But just from the, we probably spent two hours playing Tetris, which is crazy because last time I played Tetris was on my Game Boy. Um, and so, wow, has it changed and it's going to be awesome. I really think that this is going to be something special. Boy, I agree. Uh, it, it's it's remarkable. And I've said before on the show that I think Tetris is objectively the greatest video game of all time. I think it's it's our kids, kids, kids are going to play Tetris in some form or another. And maybe this is the kind of thing they'll be playing because it, it feels so futuristic and crazy. Uh, and I think you nailed it by calling it Zen. Uh, it is amazing to be inside the headset inside this audio uh, environment that's created. It's, it's a soundscape that's built around you and you're shut off from the outside world. Your entire vision is taken up by the Tetris world. There, as you said, light effects, there's particles, you know, shooting around you, exploding when you make, you know, clear lines and make Tetrises. And just the the mere fact that it feels like you're in a space it's not you're not looking at a screen that's in your hand or on your pc or on your television you're inside a space that is this soundscape this lightscape this and and you're concentrating and doing something that is so peaceful and clear and you know just stacking these pieces and clearing lines. And I found it to be almost like therapeutic. It it just felt so serene and Tetris, you know, can be a stressful game. You start missing things and stacking things wrong and the pieces are falling faster and faster. It can, it can feel frustrating and crazy. This is the first time I've played Tetris where I just felt is a sense of Zen, a sense of being just serene and, and in this place. And it felt like this relaxation technique rather than, uh, you know, a pulse pounding stress test. And I, I just found that to be such a, such a, a departure from most of the video game experiences that I have now. Uh, it was something really different and really lovely actually. Yeah, I really agree. Um, you know, I think that this is kind of where VR can take us. It is where it- it is taking us there. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine, Job uh, Stouffer, you guys probably know him. He's working on this, um, it's called like Project Orpheus or something like that, where it's the relaxation and the self-medicating uh, right. version of games. And, and VR has a role to play with in, in all of that. Um, I see Tetris Effect touching a lot of those same notes. Um, and we, I think the very first level was called uh, Deep. And uh, the sea life starts to come to life and there's like mana rays and the whole globe uh, kind of appears before you and it's spinning and it, you're playing this game, but you're getting uh, a whole sense of like, you know, this just very encouraging feeling. And it, it really is like, you just hit the word therapeutic. It, it was, I don't know. It's something new that I've not experienced in a, in a game or especially in VR, but it's something that is suddenly I say, Hey, this can be something other than just, um, like a game that I'm playing, maybe there's something more to VR that can help uh, people, you know, and I, I really got a yeah. sense of that. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to the whole game. I want to see how 
you know, with all the different themes that they've come up with and the different artwork that they've got in there. And again, the music to me was very inspiring. It was very positive. I think that these are really good things that games can do. I agree. Yeah, it was cool. And and even more so, I think, than, than Res or Luminous or, you know, other um, Mizuguchi games. I think it's, uh, it for, for whatever reason, it just feels even more, I don't know, uh, like cradling me. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but uh, yeah, Tetris effect. It comes out at the end of this week. And uh, I think it's, I think the price point is a little high. I think it's like what? 40 bucks. Um, 39. Which I think is a, yeah. I think it's a, a bit, a bit higher than I would have expected for Tetris, frankly, but uh, boy, is it something special. And it really is more than I think it appears to be on the surface. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it based on the demo, no question. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's wrap the show up. We do have some uh, parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Mel Kirk, thank you. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you and get your perspective on games. Yeah, guys, I really appreciate you having me back. Um, it's been fun. Uh, tell people about Zen Studios, how they can find your games. I know, Christian, you're a big fan. You want to talk a little bit about uh, – you talked a couple weeks ago about uh, the new the – new, um, the classic pinball sets that they put out. Christian, did you want to mention anything while, while Mel's here? Um, more please. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works, right? Like, uh, um, yes, copy paste, uh, control C control V. And then I think control R is release. Is that what you need That's to go? Push? You, so after this show, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll have more, uh, we'll have more Williams pinball coming, uh, this year still. And, uh, we're going to be making some announcements middle of November. Uh, we've heard a lot of community feedback. So thank you everybody who's contributed, you know, physics, uh, representation, of the tables and their authentic state and, uh, you know, the censored version. And that's probably a huge conversation. I don't know we'll have time for today, but I'll tell you that we listen to our community and we hear your feedback and we're going to address it. So, um, that's what I can tell you for now. Very cool. Uh, so where can people keep up with that and follow you online as well? Okay. So Zen, you know, uh, Zen Studios is on Twitter. We're on Facebook. I think that's a Zen underscore studios. Uh, we're on Instagram and YouTube. We are always listening, always responding. Uh, just type in zenstudios.com for our blog. You can follow me various places. Probably Twitter's the best. Uh, Mel underscore, I'm Mel G. Kirk, something with the underscores in there. Look me up. I know Christian <laughs> tweeted. You can find me there. We're all over. We always listen. We respond. Um, so thank you all. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, if you're listening to this Monday, right when it came out and you're in LA, I'm doing a show at UCB. Um, we're going over all the propositions on the California ballot. Uh, so it's a bunch of comedians <laughs> doing a show and then getting people ready to vote on Tuesday. So 11 p.m. Monday, November 5th, if you're happy to be in L.A. at UCB Franklin. Looks like it should be a really fun show. I'm covering um, Prop 5, I want to say. It's the one? housing. Oh, housing. housing. Oh, comedy gold. Not, <laughs> not the rent control. It's the seniors over 55 oh, better. can carry over their tax basis to buy a new home. It's so you got it's, you clearly got first pick of propositions. We didn't we didn't get picked. We got assigned. I'm very excited. I I was so excited that I got booked for the show. I uh, I am chomping at the bit. Uh, also vote on Tuesday, and then uh, Twitter's a good way to get a hold of me. 
at Spicer. And then I do this other little podcast called At Least 20 More Minutes. It goes out on Tuesdays to patrons, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Free to everybody on the Uninformed Opinions podcast feed on Fridays. And this last week's was a, a <laughs> had a real twist ending. I was expecting to hype myself up for the PlayStation Classic. I don't want to spoil it more than I already did, but if you haven't listened to it, people <laughs> people seem to enjoy the 22-minute journey I went on. <laughs> it was quite a ride. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Yeah, let's, uh, let's all vote. If you're li- listening to this on Monday, get amped. Make a plan. If you're already planning to vote, maybe take a friend. Go vote. Let's just blow it out of the water. Let's show them that young people, people that are engaged in this kind of hobby, this kind of community, uh, show up. Show up. That's all I'm asking. Just be present. Be a voter. Make it important. And bring a friend. If you're already going to go vote, maybe grab somebody else that you think might not. Make a day of it. Make an event out of it. Do something fun afterwards. Whatever it takes, let's all be voters. Uh, also, you can uh, email us and let us know if you voted. I've really been enjoying people sending emails in and letting us know. Uh, DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you, you can let us know. Uh, or you can tweet at me. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I also do the Slash Filmcast, although I think I'm not going to be on this week. I'm taking a week off. Um, but you can still check out the show. we got lots of fun stuff over there at SlashFilmcast.com. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it. Let's uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Mel, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do, and I'm not gonna go with another piece of entertainment or anything. I'm gonna go a little bit offbeat here. Uh, the holiday season is coming, and while it's a really fun and festive time for a lot of us, I know for a lot of others, uh, it can be a very de- depressing time and hard time. And so this year I'm starting off earlier, trying to be more personable and be excellent to each other is my parting gift. Give a, a phone call, go see a friend, buy a cup of coffee to somebody who you know is lonely and struggles. And let's start it earlier this year and make sure that we don't have uh, people unhappy or lonely during these coming months. So my parting gift is be excellent to each other. As two time traveling fellows once said, be excellent to each other. I, I heartily concur. And I think that's a great message. Christian, how about you get a parting gift? They're both games. We already talked so many games, but these are quick. Hopefully we can do them more in depth next week, but who knows what's going to happen next week. Uh, Diablo three on switch is phenomenal. Uh, I love it a lot. Check it out. And then Grip, I'm also playing on Switch. Picture F-Zero and um, Wipeout. And I also think it is coming out day and date on Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass. So for sure play it. If you have Game Pass, give it a look. Uh, If you have another console, I don't think it's as good as Wipeout, but I love seeing more of these types of games, the futuristic arcade racer with weapons as you're flying through loop-de-loops. That's Grip. I'm playing it on Switch and then also Diablo 3 on switch which i again i can't tell you it's worth it at 60 bucks i got codes for both of these games um but it is a phenomenal port of an absolutely phenomenal game we got a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com this comes from christopher meals i want to say i hope i didn't mispronounce that too badly christopher uh, and i appreciate this this is uh, kind of long but he's so passionate about it i thought i'd read most of it. He says, uh, my recommendation, I would like for you guys to watch or listen to the performer Wood Kid. You probably already have from game trailers because that's how I found him. 
He's been featured on the cinematic trailers for Assassin's Creed Revelations and a couple of other AC games, uh, and also did the cinematic trailer for Dying Light with his song Run Boy Run. That particular song also played in the background of at least one movie trailer, though I forget which one. Uh, The reason that I'm writing about him is that his music is magical. He has said he wants his listeners to feel like a superhero when they hear his music, and that's what it does for me. I mainly listen when I'm running or need to be taken away from where my mind is at and want to be swept up by orchestra and beauty. I will say that I have so far only purchased the EP Iron and the album The Golden Age, but from them he has released a trio of stylized videos that tell the story of his music and the name Wood Kid. Last I checked, they were on Vimeo and YouTube. Uh, If you look into the artist, you'll see where all his style comes from. He was employed making videos for other well-known performers until he decided to make his own music. I know he's done more since the things I've listed, but I haven't gotten to them yet. Uh, And he says, I'm sorry if this sounds like a press release. It's just that I'm very passionate about it. And it was still shorter than one of Jeff's Blue Apron ads. So there's that. Fair enough. Uh, I hope you enjoy what you find in Wood Kid. Run Boy Run on my soundtrack is one of the only things I can get me to the gym. Keep putting out that good into the world. Uh, thank you, Christopher. If you want to have your parting gift read right on the show, send us DLC feedback at gmail.com. Again, that's Woodkid, the artist. Uh, my parting gift is a show on Netflix that I have, uh, my wife and I barreled through. It's only six episodes long. It's a BBC show called Bodyguard, and it stars the, the guy that played Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. This is a cool show, man. Dense, interesting. Uh, kind of a fun mystery. It starts at 11 and then goes up from there. Uh, it is intense and I really enjoyed it. Six episodes on Netflix. It's called Bodyguard. Don't look up anything. Just watch it. I think you'll dig it. It's Wh- the first episode. Whitney Houston? Yeah, or yeah. No Whitney Houston. You, you guys haven't heard about this, right? It's uh, a... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, not that Bodyguard. Um, very good. Very good show. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Mel Kirk and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Thanks to all the folks that hung out in our online chat rooms, our streaming chat rooms. You make the show better, guys. You really do. We're uh, listening to what you write and watching what you post as we make the show. Uh, and having that live feedback is, is really great. Uh, But thank you to all of you who download the show and listen as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.